Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. It's time for episode 129 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. You're in for a real treat this time because I have an interview with Kari Andrews, the creator of Iron Fist, The Living Weapon, which is a great comic that's coming off of Marvel these days. We talk a lot about the book and other projects that Kari is working on, and you'll get a little behind-the-scenes taste of what sometimes happens when I'm not up to asking the questions right away. There's a lot to get to, so let's get to it. I want to welcome to the podcast Kari Andrews, one of the creators at Marvel Comics and is currently doing uh, Iron Fist, The Living Weapon from Marvel. In fact, uh, shortly after this podcast airs, issue number two will be hitting the stands. That's right. So, man, I says, uh, it's just such a great thing. Uh, you guys are benefiting from what I call the Hawkeye effect. Uh-oh. You know, the Hawkeye book came out, and instead of always having these team books where going along, they actually focus on an individual character, which is, comics has kind of swung away from. And now the good news is is that with Hawkeye's success, you get to do Iron Fist, the Living Weapon, dealing with another uh, famous Marvel character, Danny Rand. And I just think that's just – I'm so glad to do it. I've had a chance – I got a little preview of the second issue, and it's as good or maybe even a little better than the first issue. Did so you, that, did you uh, get sent the whole issue? Yes. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I had heard that they were going to do that. That's great. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think – sure, I can see how um, the perception may be that I'm benefiting from the Hawkeye, Hawkeye effect. But the, mm-hmm. the reality is I just – I'm just – um, when I write, I like, I'm just not interested in groups or teams or, you know, I'm just, oh. I'm like, I am interested in the lonely man, the single man, the, the one man. Mm-hmm. So I'm, all of my stories I've written are all kind of the one man thing. I think I benefit more from the, 
Matt Fraction, David Asha effect on their initial run on, on Iron Fist because that was okay. Critical run, and you know, I did some covers for that run, and it was kind of my first introduction to the character. Really, when I actually read read some stories, and you know, I so I like, I really, I do feel like I benefit that that they did that book originally, but mm-hmm. but uh, I think the Hawkeye thing that's more a coincidence than anything else. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I, I think Hawkeye did pave the way a little bit for more of a focus on individual characters. So you know, that, that's my opinion. Yeah. You know, whether that's how it happened or not, that's the way it appears to me. But the good news is we've got the book, and now you're both writing and drawing this book, right? That's right. Yeah. I mean, when I grew up, um, all my heroes were uh, writer artists. Like Frank Miller, oh, really? John Byrne, Jim Starenko, mm-hmm. Will Eisner, Dodd McFarlane, you know, whoever they were, they were all uh, writer artists. And for me, it's always been the writer artist that has done the uh, the most innovative work in comic books. I generally, if you if you had to boil it down, and mm-hmm. and um, my theory is just it's easy. It's that you know when you're one part of a machine, when you're one when you're one cog in a five cog machine, it's very hard. It's very hard to change what that machine makes. You know, you can work as hard as you can to innovate, but if those other cogs aren't on board, nothing. You can't change anything. You can't change anything. You can't change a sandwich machine into into something that makes uh, mattresses. Right. But when you can do all the jobs yourself, when you can become the machine itself, it's very easy to get all those cogs aligned in the same direction. So, mm. I think it's just it just creates a. a uh, an opportunity for more innovation when it's like the writer is the artist and the artist is the writer. Yeah. Well, you can always make changes as you go along. If you decide, well, I don't want to have them do this, I can change it to do that. Totally. As you're going totally. along. You do, I make, yeah, so you, yeah I, adjust, I adjust my penciling while I'm coloring. I adjust my writing while I'm inking. I adjust my, my uh, you know, everything. It's just all one process. You know, mm-hmm. I don't have to explain to another person how to, how I want something drawn or how I want something colored or what my thoughts are with the plot. It's like it all becomes one big thing. So this is basically your whole baby. I mean, you said you're coloring it as well? Yeah. I mean, back in the day, Jim Starenko colored uh, his Nick Fury stuff, and that was very unique back then in the 60s. I don't mm-hmm. think that was normal. I don't. I can't think of another artist that colored his own stuff in the 60s, wow. Marvel especially. You know how rare that is? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everybody wants to have their own little piece of the puzzle, and then they want to do their little piece and then move on. But that's kind of cool. I, I'm not familiar with other people who do the whole, you know, the whole show by themselves. It's very, that's it's, kind of yeah, neat. it's very rare. I think you know, you could say um, Barry, Wins- Barry Windsor Smith does it when he did Weapon X, um, and uh, my buddy Josh Middleton also does color his colors his own stuff, and um, mm-hmm. he hasn't had the opportunity to uh, to write a lot of stuff. But he's, I think he's working on something right now. So. Cool. Now you don't letter, do you? I mean, there's some things that's. Uh, I, I, I don't. I don't. But what's funny is, I, when I hand in a script, I actually hand in lettered layouts. So I do technically, I do letter as well. But my letters don't make it to the to the printed page. That is. Oh wow, that is amazing. I mean, that is that is so. I, I've never heard of that in, in these current days of people doing that. That is the coolest thing. I'm, I'm just I, I'm in awe of that that you can do that. That is great. Well, again, I think like you know, um, there's a certain way comic books are are made these days. And it's mm-hmm. very writer centric, and artists are disposable. And how did an how did an artist become disposable in a visual medium? I don't know, but it's happened. But if, yeah. you know, there's a way comics are being made, and and if you want to create a different comic, if you want to create a different result, well, you have to you have to go about the creation of that differently and in mm-hmm. a different way. And so it just if you do that, it just inherently the result will be a little different. 
That is so amazing. I, I, I'll have to get over that later, I guess. Is the thing. That is just astounding. To do that. Did you pitch it that way? I mean, when, when did you pitch it to Marvel? Did they come to you? How did this happen? Well, I had, I had to take a year off to direct my second feature film. Mm-hmm. And when I came back, I had a conversation with Axel about, you know, what I might want to do when I get back. And mm-hmm. Axel, um, who I've worked with since almost since, you know, since our, both of us kind of started at Marvel at the same time. We've worked together since then for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we love working together. And he's a great collaborator. Um, and, uh, you know, he's like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe this is a big event you want to draw. And I was like, well, I really want to write something. I haven't written anything in comic books since really since Spider-Man Reign. I mean, besides a, a half issue here or there, Avengers versus X-Men, Avengers plus X-Men. I spent most of my writing energies the past few years on uh, in Hollywood doing screenplays. And those screenplays, I mean, the average the average life from a first draft to to a movie hitting the screens is seven years. And that's for the movies that get made, let alone the movies that don't get made. So, you know, after a while, you just get you get frustrated with all this energy you spend writing and, and no one ever sees it. And for, you know, when you were an artist or a writer or whatever, you don't feel like something's been birthed until it reaches an audience. So I had a lot of pent-up writing energies, and I just had so much fun writing. I just wrote a, a half-issue of Avengers plus X-Men. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, sorry. somebody knocking. So, there's some knocking going on in my house. Um, and uh, <laughs> and I don't just been a bit here, so I was like, so I think I really want to write something again." And he was like, "Okay, mm-hmm. cool, that's great. Um, well, here are four or five things, characters we are mm-hmm. thinking of doing things with. Do you have any ideas for any of them?" And uh, he got to Iron Fist, and I immediately thought, "Oh, well, maybe, okay, maybe I might have. An, I'm, let me. I don't know." Iron Fist, mm-hmm. to just initially, I had a gut reaction to the character. I've always loved martial arts. Mm-hmm. I had drawn the covers. I read the the uh, Brubaker Fraction stuff, um, mm-hmm. but I didn't feel like I knew the character. I didn't know his core like I know Spider-Man's core or Batman's core. Mm-hmm. And so I went back and read his original stories in Marvel Premiere number 15 and on, and, and instantly I was hooked, and instantly I was like, oh, this is a character I didn't even understand. Mm-hmm. this character but now it's so, so cool i had instantly had an idea and a direction and a way to go and i, I pitched it back to axel and he was like great we love it let's do it so but it, and from the start it was i was going to write it and draw it and then um and then also you know when i draw it, i i generally i haven't worked with an inker in years and and if i can if i have time i like to color my stuff so it was it all came down to like how do i figure out a way to do all these jobs and still make a make my deadlines so Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. Now, it, this is an ongoing series, right? It, it, there's no end in sight for this, is there? There's no end in sight. I mean, we're treating it like a TV show. So the mm-hmm. first twelve issues are like season one, and there's mm-hmm. two six issue arcs that make up season one. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I guess it'll depend on um, how uh, how the audience reacts. If mm-hmm. if I'm still excited about it, if mm-hmm. Marvel's still excited about it, but you know, I have um, I have the whole twelve issues. Uh, um, laid out for me already, and um, I have a I have a great way to to begin season two if if that should happen. So the, oh, the, cool. the plan is it's a it's an ongoing, and then we'll just we'll see how it goes, you know. So that's when you know you have a good concept when something else comes out of it. You know, you've got this story, and then well, I could do this too. You know, that's usually a great that's a sign that there's a good story going on. So I always like that to hear that. Well, there's just so much potential. Let me tell you, I mean, do you know? Have you read the those original Marvel Premiere 15? Oh yeah, it's been a while, but yeah. I mean, it's really it's like the darkest superhero origin I have ever even 
read ever. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not like, you know, it's not like Batman where Batman watches his parents gun down in front of him and he declares war on the idea of crime. Mm-hmm. You know, he's an ideological warrior or it's not like Spider-Man where because of his actions, his uncle dies. And right. so he, he decides that with great power comes great responsibility. It's none of that. It's like it's like young Danny watches his parents murdered by his dad's business partner. And then he's protected and spends mm-hmm. 10 years, not to make the world a better place, not to declare a war on crime, but 10 years from child to adult training to kill the guy that he <laughs> feels is responsible for their death. And then mm-hmm. at the end of the 10 years, when he's a grown man, with grown, grown man choices, he's given a way out. And the monks basically go, listen, uh, abandon your quest for vengeance. And you can stay with us as a god in basically uh, heaven or Shangri-La, at least, uh, Kunlun. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is abandon your quest for vengeance, and he's like, "No," and <laughs> he goes back to Earth <laughs> to hunt down, to hunt as an as a man, right? To hunt down mm-hmm. the guy mm-hmm. that that killed his his parents. It's such mm-hmm. a, I've never heard of a, a darker origin. I don't know of one. You know, the one thing about the character, the way that you write him in the book, is and it fascinates me, is that he's kind of numb to everything except his mission. You know, we actually see him, uh, shall we say, spend a night with a woman, a girl that he met, and. Apparently she's satisfied. She's asleep, and he's sitting there looking out the window, and he doesn't feel anything as a result of that. Yeah, I found that that was such a fascinating character thing. That gave you so much insight into you know who Danny Rand really is, and I, I really was surprised to read that. I thought that was great. Well, I think again, I think he was offered life. He was offered immortality, mm-hmm. and he chose death. Mm-hmm. So when you reject the very idea of life, and if you choose death. Perhaps you have a perhaps that may result in in some problems uh, living, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and may, maybe your only con- real connection can only be the, uh, the other way. So I don't know. I, I, just, I have a thematic statement about the book that comes that comes from those first issues, and, it, and it, it's on the cover of issue one, and it's you know when offered life, he chose death, and that <laughs> and those are the, I'm, I'm chasing that out to as as fully as 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 I can. Oh, it's so different. You know, you're so right that as far as hero go, heroes go, they usually are there to right wrongs and to uh, you know to to get in the pictures and kiss the babies and things like that. And so Danny Rand is nowhere near that. He's something very different from what we're used to reading. And I like that. Well, and the, here's the other interesting thing is um, Danny has become in the past few years kind of this jokey, this jokey billionaire who runs a kung fu school for little kids, underprivileged kids. And, mm-hmm. and I just like, wh- how did that happen? Like when you take when you really look at the origin story, and then where he's kind of ended up in the past few years, it's like that is the opposite of where he came from. Mm-hmm. And then the exciting thing for me as a writer is like, well, if if both things are true, if he did have the darkest or superhero origin ever created, and he has become kind of like this strange jokey billionaire batman without a plan help how i'm gonna help i'm gonna help half a dozen kung fu get kids learn kung fu when really i'm a billionaire white male more entitlements than i've ever you know it's just like that's a crazy choice to make and it's like obviously he's repressing something and he's repressing that origin and and my 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 story is really about like i'm taking both things as fact and then and then these are the logical results like my parents are both counselors Mm-hmm. And the whole idea of talk therapy is like to talk about things that um, 
have have uh, trauma, trauma, traumatized you or whatever hurt you, abuse or whatever, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you don't deal with those things, that's when things bubble up like addiction issues or mm-hmm. depression or all these all these issues are really that's the that's the idea behind talk therapy. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't deal with your past, your past will find a way to deal with you. And I don't mm-hmm. think Danny's dealt with this dark past in a very long time. And it's it's like it's like coming for him like a freight train. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as the history of Iron Fist, is is this like uh, where does this fall as far as those other series go? Is, is this kind of like a retelling? You, you said this is all con- you consider the others as fact. But, you know, if you were to read, what would you read first before you read your series and then go on to the other stuff? Right. Well, you know, the like anything, you know, there's like this character has been around for, I guess, 40 years now. So it's a little bit of yeah. you can't really, um, you know, you have to you have to pick and choose what you take in. Okay. But mm-hmm. um, I would say I would say for me, the the strongest connections I have continuity wise are those very first the very first first stories and and the very last um immortal iron fist uh, mm-hmm. if you if you know you don't have to know those stories to enjoy mm-hmm. the the series but if mm-hmm. you if you chose to read some series to you know if you really get, are getting into the character i would go back and read those books it, as mm-hmm. it would it will enhance your experience with the okay with the yeah, you said something exactly i wanted to say is that cuz i didn't think about any of that when i read the books i was just drawn into the story you know and i was reading this stuff and i was just going like you know cuz i it 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 was so powerful to me and so fascinating. You know, you know it's a good story when you get to the end of the book and you go, it's over? Oh, nuts. <laughs> and so I was doing that, and so I was really glad I got a chance to see issue two because uh, it, it expands a little bit on what's happening. And I I, I just have to say, I'll, also I wanted to say, as much as I love the, the, the script, the art is spectacular. It's just Wow, it just it it feels like I'm watching television sometimes. It's just that brightened and that you know the reds are really red and the, you choose certain colors that you use certain times to portray certain feelings and stuff that are going on. And I just love the way that you choose that. You know, he's on the cover of issue two. He's fighting a dragon, and the dragon is huge and red, <laughs> and you can you can barely see that Iron Fist is in his mouth, which I think is such a cool thing. Yeah, I love that whole business. So I think you know this this whole business is just a, a well done comic. And I hope people are really picking it up. I, I, you know, I, I give high recommendations to it. I'm going to review it on Major Spoilers before too long cool. and talk about it because it's such a great book. And it just, you know, we always want to see what ifs. And that's what Iron Fist is. He's a kind of a what if. I mean, what if this kind of thing happened to you? How would you react? Yeah, yeah. And to see him do that is just amazing to me. Now, now one thing I wanted to ask you about, you know, because you, you've mentioned that Iron Fist has a 40-year history, but he's also showing up in other places in, in, in like, say, the the uh, Amazing Spider-Man. He's one of the team members. Uh, or, I'm sorry, Ultimate Spider-Man. He's one of the team members there. And he's not really jokey, but he's he spouts philosophy a lot. Mm-hmm. And then he's also was in the uh, uh, Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. He was one there. He was much more of an adult. He was always in the shadows and things like that. So I, I was just sort of curious. Did they tell you? Did they give you any kind of indication? You know, did did, did these things have to fit in as far as other incarnations of the character? No. I mean, the cool thing about a character like Iron Fist is people know of him. Um, mm-hmm. But his fan base is not large compared to a Batman or a Spider-Man. So 
one of the reasons why I gravitated towards a character like Iron Fist is because when you when you have a character kind of at this I don't want to call him the sea level, but he kind of is, you know, like um is there's just you can be more um bold with your choices because mm-hmm. there aren't like five Iron Fist books and you know mm-hmm. he's not like and and when I started the book there was no Netflix series. There wasn't even a I think they, you know, they were they've been trying to prep Iron Fist into turn him into a movie and TV or, or cheap or whatever for many years, and I think it's always been on their radar to like that's a character that we want to target. But mm-hmm. when I pitched the story, that was that deal wasn't in place yet, so there was no mandate to be like it has to be this, it has to be that, it has to do mm-hmm. this, it has to do that, and also mm-hmm. like you know my my pitch was was in my story I think is very respectable, very respectful to those those other versions of Iron Fist and that I don't mm-hmm. negate them and I don't I don't it's not like um I don't throw out the baby at the bathwater. Mm-hmm. All I'm doing is I'm is I'm taking Iron Fist back to the core of his of who he is, which I don't think people have dealt with in a very long time. And mm-hmm. and what I want really wanted to do is I wanted to write a story that a non reader, someone who never picked up Iron Fist or never knew anything about him, could pick up mm-hmm. and enjoy and enjoy the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and not have to understand the because le- I mean the immortal Iron Fist stuff that um, Fraction and Aja did was amazing, but part mm-hmm. of that book was every issue was an almost every issue was a new Iron Fist like in the past it was it was like it became layered upon layered upon layered upon layered of like Iron Fist like and the legacy and it was just like so dense and it was like so crazy and it was like that was part of the fun of reading it but mm-hmm. when when I was breaking down the story I was like I don't even want to you know. I will not. I'm not going to touch that. Like that is just that's an encyclopedia you would write if you needed to. You know, <laughs> not a comic book. So yeah, yeah. Well, see, the, the important thing is telling a story, and that's what I think this book does very well. And one of the things I'm really impressed by too is the fact that he's this almost an unreal person in a real world. You know, you talk about the fact that he's he's so focused on on you know his revenge and things, but the people that are around him are are very realistic. They, you know, they they seem like everyday people, which just makes him stand out all the more. That's the funny part to me is that how different he is from the rest of us. Yeah, well, he's really uh, a man trapped between two worlds. You know, mm-hmm. he was taken in as an orphan, raised in a in a different mystical realm <laughs> by by a different um, philosophy, this Asian philosophy, and then. And then uh, the, the interesting thing is he's taken by by these people and he becomes part of their family and is actually becomes champ- their champion and is, and is welcomed into the, into their world and then uh, but at the first chance he gets he leaves them and the, he abandons them you know and then he returns to the Western world where he himself is a kind of an outsider so I think he is um, he he doesn't really belong on Earth and he doesn't really belong on Kunlun he is just. Uh, he is trapped between the two, and this is definitely um, the story. Also deals with with that. He's a one man up against uh, two worlds. It almost feels like a coming of age story. That something's gonna. I, what happens when his mission is fulfilled? I mean, who, who's he going to be at that point? Yeah, you know, and all these things go. There's a whole bunch of stuff about you know, reality has to intrude on him at, at some point. You know, in my opinion, I'm I'm just speculating here, but it, it seems to me like. He's going to have to start to live in the real world at some point. That'll be a real interesting thing to watch. Yeah, I mean, definitely th- this this book is is um, the realities of his choices, the consequences of his choices that he's made uh, that define who he is. I don't think he's I don't think he's really faced those consequences, and so mm-hmm. this book is 
is a literal uh, manifestation of those consequences that that he is forced to he will be forced to address. Dra- they're going to dra- drag him back to hell, basically. I mean, dra- oh, really? Yeah. Well, you know, metaphorically speaking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. See, well, of course, he's fighting a dragon that's got flame all over the place. So that right away <laughs> gives me the whole thing right there with with all that good stuff. So I, I'm just fascinated that you you're going in a direction I'm not used to comics going, and I really like that. I think that's an important thing. I, I love variety. I don't want to pick up the same superhero story I've read. 30 times before and to me this feels like something new and fresh and I really like that I think that I wish there were more books like this you know what's funny is that um, I was it was never my intention to write something quote unquote new and fresh it was just I mm-hmm. think um, like the books I grew up reading this is really um, probably a, a, an evolution of my tastes and my tastes are like the the kind of 80s writer artists at the top of their game like the Howard Chakins mm-hmm. or the Frank Millers or the Whoever you know, like, and the, um, I think I think part of it is that in the past few years, um, again, the writers have have ruled comics. The writer writers, mm-hmm. so there's some, been some great writing, but as a consequence, that kind of writing is different than another way. Like if you are if you are writing five books and each book is a rotation of three or four different artists all contributing mm-hmm. to the story and you do that times five, it's like that process is just mm-hmm. it will give you a different result. And again, I'm I'm just kind of I'm just very interested in um taking the process back to to the time when I when I enjoyed comic books most, when it was the most affect affecting in, in my life and it was those, you know, <laughs> Again, those guys, those writer artists, man, John Byrne, Frank Miller, Will I, all those guys, Jim Starenko, like those guys are my heroes, and mm-hmm. I've watched them change the media medium, and I, you know, I have aspirations to do the same. So, wow, very. I hope you do because man, we need some of that life <laughs> comics. Believe me. Well, you know, you couldn't do. I mean, can you imagine trying to write? How could you do the Dark Knight Returns with one writer and five artists? <laughs> you know, would never happen. How could you? Yeah. How, how you know? How could you write that book with a committee, with a with mm-hmm. the, with the, uh, uh, um, you know, a, some group group think committee, and then eight eight artists? You know, it just wouldn't. It would be a it would be a year long event, and it would just be it would be weird. It wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's how I feel. <laughs> anyway, okay, well, makes sense to me. Uh, one of the things I was going to ask you about too is that you have, as you mentioned, you you do films as well. You you art has a cinematic feel to it. That's you know? I've been hearing that. I think I definitely they affect one another. Like I think my comic books affect my filmmaking more so hmm. um, than the other way. But I, I know there is a there is a there is no. Uh, again, I, I don't like to box my processes and I don't like to I like them to bleed into one another which is why I like doing all the different things myself but so I know making movies has has had to have affected my art making um, and vice versa so I try not to overthink it but I I do know it's there okay well, that's good because you know there are other folks in the comics industry who have backgrounds in film, like Jeff Johns, for example, over at DC. And sometimes I think, even as a writer, that influences what he does and the choices he makes as far as what he wants to see on the page and things like that. So I actually like that. I think that's a, a better way to do that because if people who are limited to certain comic styles, you know, that if it, it was successful when so and so did it this way, and so I need to do it that way in order to be successful, I would much rather see the kind of stuff that you're doing, which is just like 
you know, popping off the page to me. And I like that. That's the kind of thing. And, and also, I, also, I like the idea of an ongoing series instead of an event. You know, because there's a lot of events going on. Marvel does a lot of those kinds of things, and that's great. But I remember the days when I used to go to the store in order to get Daredevil. I can't wait to get the next issue of Daredevil. You know, Frank Miller was doing it and things like that. So Iron Fist, I think, is very much in the vein of that, in, in that I'm so glad it is an ongoing comic that's really good that I can look forward to every month, and it will be just a, uh, it'll be worth my reading when I get home, and I can't wait to get into it. Yeah, and for me, the, the goal really was to create a... Um a monthly book focused on one man and one man's story and not mm-hmm. and i think part of the attraction of iron fist like i did not take iron fist the job of iron fist to be su- successful <laughs> quote unquote you know there are not mm-hmm. that's not that's not the road to royalty checks and to you know but yeah, but yeah. that is the road to creative fulfillment i thought mm-hmm. i instantly mm-hmm. connected to that character that uh, that mm-hmm. origin story creatively and then i it, then i knew it, you know i i do things for the I do things for the love <laughs> of, of mm-hmm. it. So a, a character like that in a situation like this where I you know I can just um do do what do what I do best, it was mm-hmm. the recipe for me to be the most rewarded creatively, which is what I was looking to to mm-hmm. achieve. So it's been a lot mm-hmm. of fun. Like it's been mm-hmm. like you know, I love writing this guy and and how dark the story get like you i guess you read the second issue now it only gets Mm -hmm. it only gets worse like it's just (laughs) it's like really you know Mm -hmm. i don't know i i'm i'm very interested to to see what people think of it but i'm trying not to be because i don't i don't want it to call the good thing is i'm already i've already i'm I'm drawing issue six right now so wow no matter what the fan reaction is good bad so far it's been overwhelmingly positive like almost Mm -hmm. embarrassingly so but no matter what the fan reaction is, even if everyone hates issue two or issue three, there's like you can't, I can't redo it. I can't. It won't affect you because I'm so far ahead. So that's been mm-hmm. a, that's been a real benefit. That's cool. Now, one of the things I have to say about Marvel characters is that I am the kind of person that likes the lower tier people. You know, Wolverine at one point was a, almost a nobody, and he he rocketed up to the top. You know, at, at at a point later on. And the thing that interests me, like my favorite characters in Marvel, are like the Black Knight. And yeah, the Sting, black, yeah, the Black Knight sure, man. Stingray, um, <clears throat> a couple other ones in Marvel that I like, and I always am fascinated to see how those characters get treated. Because I, I, Iron Fist is going up in my list. As I read these two, I'm really intrigued as to what you have in mind for him going forward. So, I'm, man, I'm, I'm here for the, the long run with this book. I like it a lot. Yeah, but I've always liked characters like that too. Well, I mean, my favorite character is Spider-Man of all time, just because as a kid growing up, like he really represents my love of comic books and my love of superheroes and all that stuff. But but even since I was very young, again, the Starenko Nick Fury blew my mind. And that mm-hmm. that was not an A-level character. That was just no. a, a really cool book drawn and written by a really cool creator. Mm-hmm. And it was adult, and it was innovative, and it was interesting, and it was new and unique. And, you know, uh, for me, it's always been like, uh, who are my favorite creators and uh, as opposed to who you know who are my who are my favorite characters per se and a lot of and a lot of a lot of the char- a lot of my favorite creators their best work is on a character that is not as well known like Frank Miller and Daredevil or mm-hmm. or uh, Stranko and Nick Fury or or whoever taken the American flag or you know whatever so we need more comics like this. We need things that, that breathe life into characters and and the focus is on you know developing the character and telling the story 
you know, the, there was an old ad, and I, I, I hesitate to bring it up, where they had a young kid with a quarter hand, holding it out to the store owner. And the, the, uh, the headline on the bottom of the ad said, you know, you want to get his last quarter? We'll help. And it was, it was like a Marvel ad. Oh, that's and I awesome. was like, I've never, that's cool. That's great. <laughs> that's a, that's a, it's like 30 years ago. <laughs> it's, it's so, it's so, well, it's, I, it's, that ad's so, that's so manipulative. It's so funny. Yeah, I know. I just, I, and I read that, I thought, you know, isn't it about the story? Isn't it about the, the, the you know, the characters? Isn't it about fall? You know, Frank Miller said when he first opened his Bat, uh, Batman comic, he opened it up and he fell in. And that was is the kind of experience that I enjoy. And that's what Iron Fist is doing. You know, I fall in. I don't. I don't realize how much time it's taken me or anything. I'm in the story, and that's the kind of comics we need more of. I think so. You know, I applaud what you're doing. I, I man, I hope more people do that. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I mean, I, I really do think um, there there is a different way to make comic books mm-hmm. than what has been happening in the past few years. And those books, there have been a lot of great books the past few years. But mm-hmm. you know, there are other ways to make comic books and a way and and ways that that have kind of been forgotten about and uh hopefully i'm just i'm just one of many of the new kind of the you know the new the new ways to to do these books yeah, I hope so because the industry really needs that. I think uh, on many levels, you know, I go in and I watch people, and so many people are just taking the ba- uh, the comic and sliding it into a bag and board and taping it shut, not even reading it. And I'm going, the whole point of books is to read them. You know, don't just don't just collect. I said, you know, because I used to in the day, I would buy one book. If I was going to keep one, I would I'd buy two. I'd take one and bag and board it, and then I'd put another one that I could read. So it didn't matter what the condition happened to. But uh, I, you know, I, I'd like to see. Boy, I, I hope your your attitude catches on because, man, we need a lot more of that. Yeah. Well, you know, I th- the big thing is, uh, well, I, if you can kind of watch it happen, right? At first, it was, it was, you know, the, the, the in the in the image boom, it was the artists really became empowered and really took control of things. And then it all became so competitive, and the artists, mm-hmm. as a result, had to spend so much time drawing each page just to compete. Everyone got real slow, and then the writers picked up the slack. And then for a reader, to get that consistent experience, it, it, the, writers, the writers kind of started driving the car. And it was like, I'll, I'll give you that consistent experience. And the artists kind of became secondary um, because yeah. everyone was getting real slow. And you just see that you know, see exactly how it happened. So for myself, one of the big things, the biggest challenges I had to do the book was how can I figure out a way to work fast enough and mm-hmm. to do all the different things I want to do. And I really had to streamline my artistic process. So mm-hmm. I have very little waste. There's very little fat <laughs> in my processes. Whereas in the past, it used to be like a lot of, you know, thumbnails, underdrawings, first pencils, mm-hmm. then inks, then scanning. <laughs> then, then and now it's just... It's um, I, I do my layouts in a Cintiq. I, I, ink, I resolve those layouts on the Cintiq. Mm-hmm. I use the layouts. I submit them as scripts. I, um, you know, every, I, every, everything's about efficiency. And the cool mm-hmm. thing is the faster you are able to work, the more it can become about the story. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because when you don't spend like five days on a page, you know, when you spend uh, the right amount of time, you can – be in a fast enough rhythm where you don't interrupt the storytelling process. 
Well, one of the great things too is you're telling a sequential story, which in you know the old days, the the, the story someone happened in a book, and five issues later, someone would contradict it. You know, you'd read these other stories and see what you're doing is is is, is like some of my very favorite television, like Twenty Four or, or uh, other things like that, where we get a, a thing you've got to pay attention. You can't just kind of glance through it. You have to watch it carefully, pay attention to what's going on because this is going to mean something later on. And that's what I feel a lot about uh, the Iron Fist that way is that I need to know what's happening here so I can when some things happen later I'll get the the meaning of it all. Yeah, I mean I I mean I've I've been telling people that you know Iron Fist like because Iron Fist is becoming this Netflix show and um mm-hmm. it's probably not based around this book I'm sure it's probably I would I don't know what they're doing but if I was mm-hmm. them I my guess is I would choose to based off Immortal Iron Fist because for me that's like oh that's a that is a story I could see being told over Netflix and I I I tell people that my version is the feature film version of Iron Fist. And so it's like, you know, it's like you could enjoy it concurrently to that Netflix experience. But there are things I'm going to be doing in my book that you just wouldn't be able to afford to do on a Netflix budget. But mm-hmm. even though I tell that to everyone, but the, there is a, a little dark, dirty secret I have. And I, I feel when I'm writing it that it is um, – it's some of the rhythms are closer to uh, – a TV show like a mm-hmm. Mad Men or, or a True Detective or something like that, where mm-hmm. especially as you go, you'll probably see in, in some other issues, um, there are just some strange choices I make in terms mm-hmm. of storytelling that mm-hmm. for me, <laughs> after I made them, was like, oh, this, I don't know why I did that, but it feels mm-hmm. like some crazy Mm-hmm. Uh, TV experience, but not, but not a, but not a um, uh, network experience. It feels mm-hmm. feels like a feels like an AMC experience or an HBO. Experience. I don't know, but really, it's like you know, budget wise, and and the th- the momentum is like a feature film. But there are some you'll see. I'm I'm interested to mm-hmm. see like when people hit certain issues, like what their mm-hmm. reactions are is going to be. Cool. Well, that's neat. See, that, the creative process, I think, needs to be more involved in comics. It shouldn't just be grinding out the comics month to month. I don't, I don't, I don't know if you were aware, like in Batman number five, when the New 52 started in DC, there was that, and that issue, Greg Capullo drew the art so that the book, you had to turn the book completely upside down oh, in right, order to be right. able to read what was going on. And I always think that kind of creative stuff, we don't get enough of that in the, in the books. I mean, you do something that, that makes you do, and you realize what's happening. You know, it, it's kind of fun to read a book like that that kind of challenges your perceptions, and that's the kind of thing I'd like to see a lot more of. And I, so I'm going to be fascinated as you go forward because as a filmmaker, I think it's going to influence how visually the story goes, and so I'm really looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah, again, it's, I think you know when when you when you can be when you can become the machine, uh, yeah, it's very yeah. easy to make those kind of choices on the fly, and you don't you know you don't have to ask permission or convince people or, you know, trade favors, you know, you, you don't have to, it's very easy to, to mm-hmm. innovate when it's, when there's, when you're alone in a room. I mean, it's also very lonely. We need to clone you and put you on the other use on other books. Like well, in the, other people. What's funny is when I make a movie, it's like me and a hundred people and I, and every day is a conversation and a compromise and a collaboration. And like, it's like a thing. And, and the movies I've been making, they can't, I mean, I'm a, I'm a new filmmaker. I'm a young filmmaker. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been in comics for a, a while now and I'm kind of like, I, I have, I'm in a position where I can do cool things, but in film, I'm not there yet. Like, it's very weird to be 
kind of given a script and work under constraints and work with producers and like, you know, and like it's very collaborative. And then you go to comic books and it's just like self-empowered alone in your you know, in your studio mm-hmm. and every mm-hmm. mistake you make, you can own and every success you have, you can celebrate where mm-hmm. in filmmaking it's like you know you got to wear other people's mistakes and when other mm-hmm. and when other people succeed you have to like you have to say, say thank you on their behalf it's a strange mm-hmm. it's a strange dichotomy mm-hmm. but i enjoy both so mm-hmm. that's cool now actually you made me think of something as you're a filmmaker and if marvel doesn't use your series you know someday you could always come back and use this series yourself and make a movie out of it Maybe, maybe that would be fun. that would be interesting, right? I don't think that's ever happened where uh, the uh, the author, writer, or artist has of a of a mainstream superhero book has has then done their own adaptation. But we'll see. I think the Netflix the Netflix series would would put something like that on hold for a decade or so. So <laughs> maybe maybe ten years from now I'll be able to. You know, I would I actually would love to. I think it would be amazing if the Spider Man franchise. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> if if somehow they could they could adapt my Spider-Man Reign storyline and do him as the old man mm-hmm. fighting like I think that would be a pretty cool movie. You know? mm-hmm. I think I would I would I would like to watch that really. Very cool. Well, while we're on Spider-Man, I was going to get to this last, but we'll get to it now. Uh, this weekend is the weekend that Amazing Spider-Man Two is out, and I read some uh, at IMDb something that really fascinated me. That your cover for Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man number 29, was used as an inspiration for the famous kiss scene between Tobey Maguire and Kristen Dunst in that first film. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they flipped Spider-Man upside down, but um, yeah, everything yeah. everything else was, and they put him in uh, the rain instead of sun, instead of a sunset. Instead of a, I, had, I drew them in a Maxfield Parish uh, kind of size sky, skyscape. Um, but it was initially brought to my attention before the movie came out by Axel. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, cool. Because it was, I had just started working for Marvel, really, only one or two years. It was very, very young in my comic book career. And it was like, oh, crazy. And then, and then even in the commentary, when you listen to the, the I think the Lauren Donner commentary, um, she mentions that that shot was a reference to a, quote unquote a classic comic book cover I think you know it was it, it had only been like it was very new cover but I think they chose I think they chose as part of their process of creating the visuals of that movie I think they chose a lot of covers to kind of um re- that to represent parts of the movie and and really try to incorporate like mm-hmm. that that cover into the into the into the movie so I'm sure there are other uh, comic book references that are that are in there. I would love to just sit down with someone at some point who was involved, like Sam Raimi or someone, and just be like, "Okay, let me tell me all your tell me exactly where each of these shots came from. If there was a if there was a reference, you know, <laughs> that would be kind of cool to find out. I mean, especially as a creator as you are and involved in movies, it would be neat to know those kinds of things because uh, so you can figure out maybe somewhere down the road I might need that." To use something like that, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, no. I, also, Sam Raimi is a big comic book fan, and you know, it's like it's it's fun. It's fun. I think the the most success in comic book movies are are the when they really honor the source material, mm-hmm. and the closer they they can honor that material, uh, mm-hmm. the better the movies so far. I mean, you mm-hmm. look at a movie like where they've thrown out the source material, like say 
Green Lantern or whatever. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it suffers. And it's mm-hmm. when you have 60 years of R&D that mm-hmm. has already happened for free, mm-hmm. why not pick and choose the very, <laughs> the very best storylines, you know, the Winter Soldiers and do that as opposed to I'm just going to make something up new. You know, it's just like yeah. Yeah. it's like do a different movie and make something up new. But when you adapt a comic book character or any character that has been around for that long and has that much history maybe the it's best to like just to choose the all these free gifts and all these free things that have already happened and and mm-hmm. and do do it in a way that honors mm-hmm. that character and especially the core of the, I'm all about honoring the core of the character mm-hmm. and every I think every time you tell a story about a certain certain character you need to understand the core of that person and and that story should be a reflection of that core or a reinvestigation of that core or or something you know Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's like the Nolan movies with Batman. I mean, that was a trilogy that to this day is one of my very favorite series of movies because, you know, I, and I would watch the movie and I'd say, oh, they took that from No Man's Land, and oh, that part came over from from this other Batman book, and I would see the parts that I recognized. Of course, Bane breaking his back in the third movie, and I just, I, you know, things like that. I think. I don't, and what they did actually, from my understanding, is they sat around and read comics all day. They went to some one of their garages that had all these Batman books, and they would sit there all day long reading the, the books and talking about what they had read. So to me, I, I you know, I'd like to see you do an Iron Fist movie. I think that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, it'd be, it would be a lot of fun. It'd be a lot of fun. I actually, I actually love um, action move, movies. My next movie that I'm um, hopefully will go to camera in. Is a um, I call it uh, if I call it if if Blade Runner was a ninja movie set in present day mm-hmm. with no ninjas. Hmm. That's interesting. So, you know, like, what that means? That's my shorthand for uh, you know a noir adult movie mm-hmm. with incredible mm-hmm. action and uh, and mm-hmm. spectacle, but in a, you know in a way that is not uh, goofy. Mm-hmm. Well, see, if you take things seriously, I think things go much better than if you have if you take too much fun in it. People, you know, when they they want to spend their ten, twelve dollars to go and see something that they come out and going, wow, that was great. If it's too comical, I think some people just don't appreciate that kind of stuff. I think serious stuff is is much better. Well, I think you know, it, I all respect to the guys that do the do the comical fun stuff. Like that's cool, mm-hmm. but for me personally, that's just never what I want to do. It's and you know, it's I had a few people ask me early on when I was doing Iron Fist, like, "Oh, it's, it's crazy kung fu chapsaki." And it's like <laughs> it's like it's yeah, I will never do that. You know, I will mm-hmm. ne- I will never give a wink and a nudge to the audience while I while I disrespect the genre of filmmaking. Like mm-hmm. I yeah. really I have an intense love for, and passion for some of those martial arts movies in a way mm-hmm. that respects them for what they are. Yeah. And you know, it's like I want to honor a genre not make fun of it uh, you know mm-hmm. there's a, yeah. i have there are other things i could be doing than making fun of someone else's work so yep. Yep. you know i think if you i think if you do things in a way that res- you respect the material you respect the genre you respect the characters when i was a kid kung fu was serious business <laughs> like yeah i grew oh, up yeah. on, i grew up on ninja movies man and uh and they were like they were um I, they were very serious movies for me as a child. Revenge of the Ninja, Revenge of the Ninja, Ninja Three: The Domination, Pray for Death, The Rage of Honor, all those movies. American Ninja, like even American Ninja, uh, whatever the early Jean Claude Van Damme movies, what, whatever it is, the you know Jackie Chan, Jet Li, all those movies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the ones that uh, that take the material seriously, even if they do it in a fun way, like Hard Boiled. 
amazing action movie. There's mm-hmm. some fun stuff that goes on in it, but mm-hmm. it's 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 the best that it could be, and it doesn't mm-hmm. you know just, just it doesn't make fun of when you look at a movie like um, Batman Forever or Batman mm-hmm. and Robin. They started mm-hmm. the, that those are made by filmmakers that weren't respecting the genre. They were try, trying to have a joke at it, you know, and it was like mm-hmm. they thought that was the way to do it, and it mm-hmm. obviously was not. No, no, and the Nolan brothers kind of proved that, I think, pretty much. Now, as far as things that you've got that we should be aware of that's coming out, of course, uh, you, you know, you've got the comic, which is you know, Iron Fist, the Living Weapon, and, and I encourage people if you haven't gotten issue one, get issue one. If you have to buy it digitally, that's perfectly fine, so you can get the paper copies that come out. This Wednesday, Iron Fist, the Living Weapon number two will be out, and I really enjoyed that when I got a chance to read it. So I, I highly encourage you to to go out and buy that as well and get into the series because it's very good. Besides the comic, what other things are happening that we should be aware of? Well, I, I do have my um, second feature. It's actually my – technically, it's my third feature, but my, se- my second feature, quote-unquote, was only 126th of an anthology. Um, oh. <laughs> so it was – you know, I've been out in two features and 126th of a feature. But my second feature um, <laughs> comes out in the States uh, called Cabin Fever Patient Zero, starring Sean Astin of uh, Lord of the Rings and Goonies. Oh. And that comes out, uh, I believe it's June twenty sixth, ninth, something like that, in cool. in the America. Um, so there's that. But really, I'm I am all Iron Fist all the time. It is <laughs> it is the focus. I'm entirely focused on creating a monthly reading experience and creating a monthly book on this on this one character that you can come back to and enjoy every month. I, do, I have no intention of derailing the momentum of a story by taking a month off. Mm-hmm. Coolness. Well, you're doing a great job, in my opinion. I, I love the book. I really do. And I, I highly encourage people, if, if you're not reading Iron Fist, The Living Weapon, you're, you're missing out. So be sure to get that. And, you know, and, and Curry, I hope you get a lot of success going forward. I hope this book really takes off and, and uh, becomes one of Marvel's be- uh, best hits. I'd really like to see well, that. I, I appreciate it. But to be honest, for me, personally, um, I already feel like I've, I've um, just in doing the book – is mm-hmm. is its own success and its own reward and and I'm having so much fun so much fun just like pushing this character as far as I can go and <laughs> let me tell you like by issue 6 just it's the halfway point and things are just crazy and things <laughs> again things but when you you know I have I have a singular image um to end this story with and mm-hmm. every page I get closer to that image at the end of issue 12 I get more excited because it is just it's uh, it's creatively, it's going to be an exciting way to to end and the end of oh. first season. Anyway, mm-hmm. can't wait to see that. Based on what I've seen so far, I'm just dying to see that already. I can't come fast enough for me, so I'm really looking forward to that. You know, Curry, I just wish you all the best, and man, keep it up. You're doing some great stuff. I wish other people, you know, had their view of comics kind of a little more like yours. I'd really like to see that. Well, you know, uh, I, uh, shout out to all my all my all my brothers out there. Uh, uh, you don't need permission to write a story if you're a penciler. You don't need permission to draw a story if you're a writer. And just like do you know do more than one of the jobs. It's uh, it's more fun. Very cool. Very very cool.
dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man, I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored, I can be destroyed, but as a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. Now at Majorspoilers.com. And now for the behind-the-scenes look that I promised you. While I was interviewing Mr. Andrews, I got off to a slow start, which entertained him greatly, apparently. And he insisted that I put this out there for everyone to hear. So you're going to get to hear, even after he's told me how to pronounce his name correctly, I botch it. And some other things that happen along the way. I get a little flustered. So if you ever wondered what happens that gets edited out of this podcast, you're about to find out. Hello? Hello. Is, how do you pronounce your first name? Is it Kari? Uh, Kari, like Ferrari, Atari, Calamari, Safari. Kari. Okay, good. I want to make sure I get that right. I'm, I'm a stickler for people's names because <laughs> one time when I was interviewing somebody, I don't know if you know who J.T. Krul is, it, it, people call him Crawl because that, they thought that based on Dan DiDio just announcing him as such, that was his name. And he still to this day gets called Crawl. And I, I, I asked him to record a bumper for me. He said his name is Cruel. And I went, <laughs> I've been mispronouncing your name for years. I said, yeah. I've got to fix that. I know, so, I know, um, I know. I have one of those weird comic book names like Bill Sienkiewicz. You just don't know how to yeah. say it. You know, it's like yeah. Magneto, Magneto. Yeah, yeah. I just never know how to pronounce those things. Like uh, Bill Sienkiewicz, for the longest time, I had no idea how that was pronounced. Yeah, so I don't even. I don't even know if that's the right way. That's just how I say it now. But it looks like it. I mean, that that's the most logical one. I mean, I I. Think you were you? It's, I couldn't tell you what it was. Mm-hmm. So I was. Uh, they should put uh, pronunciation guides and you guys' names on these comics so we can actually do that. I used to actually have a business card with a pronunciation guide on. My- oh, did you? Oh, <laughs> when I used to have business cards because it was like it's always the first thing people ask me. How do I say <laughs> pronounce it? And I, I don't want to mispronounce it either. You know. Well, then I I have people I've worked with I've worked with for like. 15 years and they will forget how to say my name, you know, because it's emails and, you know, and then I see the yeah. person they're like, hey, okay, okay, how's it going there, Kay? And I don't, I actually don't, I don't really care that much, but I know people, uh, people get embarrassed about it, so. Well, I think it's critical to get people's names right. I really do. I, I, I had two people I interviewed last night and they had very beautiful exotic names, which if it's not George or Sam, I have trouble with. And so I let them introduce themselves and say their names to make sure it was done right. <laughs> yeah, man. Totally. So, okay. Now, uh, we'll go about usually about 20, 25 minutes. And we'll, I want to talk a little bit about your film background, too. And then I want to end up, because this is going to come out this weekend, which is going to the uh, Spider-Man 2 movies coming out. There's a, I read a connection between you and Spider-Man, one of the films that really fascinated me. So I'm going to have to sure. we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. Do you know what I'm referring to? I don't or? know. The Kiss? Yes. Yeah. That, that's it. That's yeah. it. I read that on IMDb, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I was just fascinated by it. I said, there couldn't be more perfect to do that on this weekend with the Amazing Spider-Man 2 going. Yeah. So that's cool. All right. We'll get to that. That'll be like the last thing I, that I do. I'll, I'll ask other projects you're working on and stuff, and then I'll, I'll bring back to that. Sure. Okay, let me. We'll get started here. Sounds good. I want to welcome. Okay, I want to welcome to the podcast, Carrie Andrews. Kari. Gosh, Ferrari Safari. It just it's like Corey, but you're driving. Kari. It's like a car with an E on the end. Exactly. Okay. Totally. All right. So, okay. Let me do it that way. 
I want to welcome to the pat. <laughs> no, I can't do this. <laughs> uh, I want to welcome to the podcast Kari Andrews, one of the creators at Marvel Comics, and is currently doing uh, Iron Fist, uh, Lethal Weapon, I think, uh, uh, Living Weapon, the Living okay. Weapon. Let me say that again. Iron Fist, the I Living Weapon. I don't want wait. I don't want you to edit any of this. I want this whole string. Oh no, no, this whole oh, no. string I want on your podcast. <laughs> you do okay. Oh, I always try to take my. I don't want to be the center of this business, and that kind of stuff makes me the center, and I don't like to I do that. It. I love it. Well, I'll send you that. How about I send you that that part of it? <laughs> the rest of it, I'll everyone's got to hear it. No goodness. Maybe what I'll do is I'll do it at the. I'll do it after the interview. I'll put that in there and say this Perfect. is how things got started. So we'll do it that way. Because I, I, you're the spotlight now, not me. So <laughs> I want to do that to me. So let's see. Where were we? Okay, you're doing Iron Man. Iron Man. Iron Fist, the living weapon. I'm all off base now. And that's a wrap for this episode. Be sure to be back next week when I'll have my previously announced interview with J.K. Woodward and another special surprise interview as well. But until then, keep reading your comics.